Hello and welcome to Open Room Talks, a podcast which draws on Open Room events experiencing connecting people to bring you quality discussions between industry experts, innovative suppliers, and high-powered end-users on pertinent issues in a variety of sectors. I am Kiana Sapp, and joining me today to discuss how the fuel retail sector has been adapting to all that's going on in the world, I have Keith Guppy and Steve Watts. Keith is a fuel retail professional with over 30 years' experience in downstream refining, sales, and marketing. He has held a variety of senior management positions with Amoco and Elf across all channels of business, including refining, logistics, and retail. In 2004, Keith co-designed and launched Big Oil, a web-based market intelligence service to the independent forecourt sector. This successful business was purchased by the Petrol Retailers Association in 2007, fulfilling the exit strategy. Keith currently works as a consultant specialising in engagement with key areas of the downstream market in the UK and some parts of Europe. Steve has been in the petrol retail industry for 41 years. He made his start in 1979 with pump maintenance after an engineering apprenticeship as a service engineer looking after the petrol stations in North London and Hertfordshire. He then joined Electronic Specialist in 1984, where he completed a management training program and finally gained the position of service director until their acquisition by Gil Barker, now GVR. Steve worked for a while as the UK sales director with GVR, but then left to join a systems company called Torex. Through acquisition, Steve joined TSG in 2018 as UK sales director, where he heads up the retail and systems business lines. Thank you both very much for agreeing to come on the show. The, the floor is all yours. Oh, thank you very much. Well, just a bit of background to how I've met Steve and, and knew Steve from right from the start. Um, I think it was probably when I was at ELF, I think, Steve, we would have probably first met and you were at uh, Gilbarco. That's correct. I think it yeah. was. Yeah. yeah. I was sort of looking after the retail network of ELF and Gilbarco were our service company, I believe. And um, I have to say, without... <laughs> without sort of blowing smoke and all of that. I think um, after you left, Steve, the service at Gilbarco was never the same because I have to say it was, <laughs> it was first class when uh, when we were using you uh, for service. But I, I think that's when we first met. Yeah, and uh, that's another point I owe you then. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. And then we kind of brings us up to the current day and you're now, you're now at PSG. Like you were at Gil- Gilbarco, PSG has been a – Kind of household name in the in the fuel industry since then, and I'm just interested to know that since since things have changed so drastically this year, how things have been at TSG during the lockdown and kind of beyond. Yeah, sure. Well, well it's crazy times for everybody, isn't it? And um, and still uncertainties out there. I think you know when it when it started to uh, kick off, as it were, in in mid March when we understood what the possible implications were with a total lockdown. I think first and foremost, safety, health and safety to our our staff and customers were at the at forefront. Um, and we put to, together a number of documents to make sure that, that we were covering and keeping our staff and customers safe. I think because we uh, were seen as, as um, you know, the front line, as it were, by keeping tankers moving and, and freight moving and the, the public sector moving, then 
our servicing department really didn't change. On our fleet side, we, we have the likes of the blue lights, so the police, ambulance, um, fire brigade that we look after. Uh, and again, of course, that is paramount that they're kept fueling, along with the, the 4,000-odd sites that we have under, under service contract. So, yeah, difficult times, but health and safety was, was the forefront, uh, and I'm pleased to say that, um, that we came through that with, with flying colours. Oh, that's uh, that's good to know. And I, I see it was something when we were having a, a brief chat earlier in the week and you mentioned something, uh, an innovation you've come up with to kind of help with the uh, the retailers in terms of a, is it a customer counter type? type yeah, uh, yeah it is, Keith. I think one of the things we've picked up on talking to the, the number of retailers that we have you know good relationships with is that there's this lack of confidence by the consumer to to come into some of the C stores, uh, and that's understandable. I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of people, unfortunately, that are still, you know, even afraid to go outside their houses, let alone go into a uh, into one of the smaller um, C stores or or into one of the smaller areas. So, part of our innovation and part of the, our technical team, we've come up with a what is predominantly a a system that that allows you to set the amount of customers you have in your store um, and via a uh, camera positioned above the entry and exit points, we, we will count the customers as they come in and leave. And should that number exceed the safety number that's been set, then there is a visual display on the entrance of the store that actually will warn customers not to enter. And that can that is a visual as well as an audible uh, warning. So, um, but along with that, added to that, it also runs as an advertising screen. So you can run promotions, you can run information. So if customers are queuing up outside, there's something that they can occupy their time while they're waiting, rather than you know, what they don't want, what the retailer doesn't want. Clearly, is the customer to see a queue. And, and then turn around and walk away. We're hoping that, that that's going to be uh, something that's going to be of, of great benefit to the retailers, uh, and we're just about to pilot that um, that system now. That's very interesting. It was funny, and it was only yesterday I went down to a local sea store, and uh, you're right. I mean, they've all got notices up saying so many people in the shop at one time, but how do you know? You can't tell, and there you've got people peering through the door to see how many people are already in there. So uh, I could see that being very useful, Steve, uh, going forward. And it kind of leads me into an, another bit that's interesting to chat through is that, you know, we come out the other side of this, and I think what we're going to find is, you know, consumer behaviour will have definitely changed. You know, we we it's been forced on us, but I think now we've got it, I think it will stay with us. And... Um, I'm, I'm thinking of things like mobile payments and, and the way you, you get your loyalty points and, and also even things like pay at the pump. You've already mentioned the digital side of, of your customer counter, but there are other digital applications that you could, you could, you could apply here. So, you know, what's the view within TSG on this? Is, is this something that's right at the forefront of your minds there when you're, when you're developing stuff? It is, and you know, um, systems is is um, part of the the business that on the sales side is is that I I head up um, with my systems 
background, it was something that I was keen to bring to TSG. And I've got around me an ex- extremely first-class team that innovation is part of their core practices. So they're, they're looking at new ideas and ways of automating and, and speeding up the, the actual retail um, experience. And, and part of that is, um, and, and we're seeing that out there with, with some of the oil companies, is mobile payment apps. And we have our own for that. Um, we also have uh, crypto, which is the pay at pump solution. So the customer doesn't have to go into the into the um, into the store itself if if they if they don't want to. There are other means of of going in and, and purchasing fuel. But along with that, we've also got a, a full suite of of contactless payment solutions as well as coin solutions. But we're seeing more on the contactless side for for obvious reasons. But now we can control the payment side for anything on the valet side, so uh, wash machines, air machines, and also within the the, um, the store itself for the coffee machines, as an example, we have a solution that, that allows you to pay for the coffee at the coffee machine rather than getting uh, your coffee and taking it to the counter and, again, queuing up and having to pay through that means. And where, and where are... TSG now in terms of their their EPOS, e, you know point of sale EPOS point of sale back office type uh, platforms. Our own platform is FuelPos, right, and it, it links to a, a number of back office solutions um, that we that we support. And I've got to say, Key, I mean, you know, I know we weren't together at Arcaris or what turned into be Torex, but but when when you were there, you knew. What the you know the the innovations of of what the Iridium Prism system was like. Yeah, and I have to say that you know having joined TSG and and got to grips with with FuelPos, there there isn't really anything missing. I mean, it, it is up there with the, with with all of the top quality EPOS solutions. And Dover, who are the the developing company for FuelPos, really use all of their European expertise to come forward with, with new ideas and, and technologies for the system. Yeah, and, and in these days, um, systems have very much got to be able to integrate into a whole range of, of other applications, haven't they? I mean, you know, if you, you've got to look at world-beating loyalty schemes, you've got to be able to interface into those kind of things. So I take it it does all of that now. Yes, indeed, so, as well as having our own. so. One of the things that we pride ourselves on is that, that we can provide that full solution or work with third parties to, to bring, you know, to bring together what is best for the retailer. So if, if a retailer has got their own um, standards and requirements, we can work with that. But if they're looking for that, that, that complete package, then again, we, c- we can present that to them and, and hopefully that will meet their, you know, their requirements. Yeah, interesting. And another area I wanted to touch on whilst we're having a chat about this, because we've been, you know, been around a long time and unmanned filling stations have been muted in the industry for for a number of years. And for whatever reason, when you look at how they grew in countries like in the Scandinavian regions that never really started to get traction. But we've just noticed now in the last couple of years that the unmanned solution 
is starting to sort of take hold. And I was interested in this year's fuel market review that that Catalyst put out uh, every year. But I noticed the numbers are going up. We've got 272 now. And I know a lot of those are Asda stores, 130-odd are Asda stores. But it's definitely showing an upward trend. And, and I just would be interested to know what your thoughts are and uh, and TSG on this. And, and is it something you, you've got involved with? Yeah, you're right, Keith. And to be honest, the pandemic has, has probably brought that more to the forefront and, and more retailers are focused now on what other options are there out there. You know, if you can't bring customers into your, into your store or your store uh, isn't of the, of the inadequate size, then how can you reduce your costs but continue to trade and, and to go unmanned or, or partially unmanned? So maybe you know operate between nine and six as, as a normal manned fueling station and then go over to unmanned through the night is a, is an option and we, we have seen a, an increase in, in in activity along those lines we currently have around around about 60 unmanned truly unmanned uh, fueling stations around the uk that that, that we have um, equipped and maintain all right uh, and they are from um, total remote control. So we we offer as part of the the solution is is that we monitor it remotely. So should there be any issues on site, there is always someone available to talk to the to the customer um, via the system. Um, but also we have a, a solution where remotely we will arm the dispensers. So not anyone can go up and just take a nozzle out and start fueling. We will set that dispenser off after they've checked to make sure that everything's safe to do so. And that really depends on, on the location and the requirements for that, that area. Some areas are quite happy with the, you know, the following of the, of the blue book, as it were, and, and being able to have emergency monitoring should there be an issue. Yeah. But then in, in other areas, we've had, this instance where for any um, spirit sales, they want them to be uh, remotely remotely armed, and, and we're able to do that. That's interesting. And, and that, that's where someone like TSG um, can, can really score because different authorities have different rules. And I think it's really important for retailers to know that someone's out there can give them an end-to-end solution, depending on how the local authority use unmanned and i know from only you know talking to other people it varies hugely doesn't it across the country yeah it, it can do you're right it can do and I, and i think the benefit that we have because of the you know the the amount of un, unmanned sites that we've got now pretty much in every county i, I would i would think we are able to pull pull up across that expertise as well as the knowledge of working with local authorities to make sure that we comply yeah and and as as you know, again, we're we're able to offer that full turnkey solution where we have our own construction department, we have our own builders, we have our own electricians. So, you know, again, if the customer wants, we can we can provide the full solution from a knockdown rebuild right the way through to a a, a new uh, new design site, along with providing world class products from Tokheim, Wayne, and also car wash and valet equipment from Karcher. Yeah, I think that's an in, that's a, that is an interesting subject because, you know, everything we're we're kind of hearing, the, particularly now we know that the 
you know, the multiple groups of, of a pretty large stake now in the UK market. And I think they're going to continue to increasingly look at their networks and say, well, what's the best and optimum way of operating these sites? And yeah, they're still going to look to maybe divest some. But but I think before they do that now, there is another option for them. And before divesting sites, maybe unmanned could be uh, could be the way forward. And and interestingly, on that subject of reviewing networks and, and where we're going, I guess we can't really sort of have a discussion about the industry without talking about alternative fuels and, and where we think that that could be going. And um, just from our perspective, as you know, I've I've got the business with Patrick Hudson Fuel Supply Solutions, and we we are increasingly getting contacted by investors in the in the sector. And one of their leading questions is is on alternative fuels, and it's a real interesting discussion because roadside retail is is, is definitely being seen by the investors as an opportunity, because out of town stores are struggling because of high rents and high street is is struggling, so they see roadside retail as as remaining as a hub. I mean, we know you've got the convenience offer and and that will be there, but going forward. Who knows? You know, in ten years' time, we have unmanned cars. They're going to need to park up somewhere at night and charge. So all these kind of things are coming into the mix. But I guess alternative fuels, be it if we start with electric, we've got hydrogen and we've got synthetic fuels on the horizon. But electric seems to be the one that's got the most traction at the moment. And and uh, have TSG got got that set up? Have they have a team set up for that kind of thing now? Are you, are you looking at electric? Seriously? Yeah, well, we, we've got both divisions we, that, that, that we've been working with for the last 18 months, two years possibly on EV now since, uh, yeah. since the rise of, of the interest in that. Um, so we have an, an EV division that is headed up by Michelle McChesney, who I know and you'll know well, Keith. Yeah. And, and we've also got a, a gas division, uh, which Paul Brooks heads up. And um, our strap line is, which fits nicely in with this subject, is TSG driving new energies. So we're we're fully aware and again working with our European company as well that that you know what is the new uh legislations coming through, what are the likelihood of the new products coming through. And EV definitely has has come on leaps and bounds. And we are doing a lot of work predominantly in the in the distribution networks at the moment. So where the distribution hubs are, they're looking for the last sort of 20, 25 miles of being electric. So we're currently around the country kitting out uh, a number of distribution depots with EV solutions. So that team is extremely busy at the moment. I think we still have this question mark over existing petrol retail locations as to whether they've got the infrastructure that can actually take EV. Yeah. Um, I know there's been a lot, you know, in the industry around that. Um, for new, I mean, a new installation or a new build, it makes absolute sense. And I, I don't know if you've had chance yet to go to see uh, Peter and Joe Hockenhall's new site, the Stage in Leicestershire. No, not yet. Well, they've they've installed uh, EV chargers on that site, and it absolutely works. But you know, as I say, for existing petrol retailing. I still think there's a question mark as to whether that that is viable. Yeah, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I think 
I think there's there's not a vanilla solution here, but I do think that retailers, particularly multiple retailers, um, should at least be thinking and planning, doing some network planning, even if in that network planning it discounts it for, for certain sites. But uh, they should be looking at it because, as you say, it's a complex issue and it's things like where you are to your nearest substation, et cetera. And, uh, but, but as I say, it's coming, isn't it? It's not something that can be ignored. Oh yeah, and it's interesting that you're still you're still interested looking at the the other alternatives as well, which is you know uh, hydrogen and then I say synthetic fuels are are being seriously considered. Um, but it sounds like TSG are pretty well geared up to to work with the retailers, regardless of whatever direction it ends up with. Uh, yeah, I, I like to think so, Keith. I mean, we we've we've brought in experts, gas experts, so LNG, CNG, hydrogen. Um, again, right through from uh, design and build to uh, to supply equipment supply and there and maintenance thereafter, we we can offer that full package. Uh, and there is again, there is definitely some growth areas there, and we're working with a number of gas suppliers bringing those solutions forward. Our view as well is with all the research we've done is that we think that regardless of whether a retailer can justify actually having a, a an electric vehicle charging point. Um, I think falling out of it, there'll be some technologies such as smaller battery storage systems, et cetera, which a retailer will get the benefit from um, by storing energy on site and using it uh, when the tariffs fit his, uh, you know, his needs and can definitely save money. So I think out of this whole kind of movement to electric, there will be some benefits for the retailer, uh, but they will need a TSG of this world to help them on the way with with installations, etc. We hope so, Keith. Yes, indeed. <laughs> well, that's been, it's been good to have a chat, catch up, Steve. I know because there's not been any events this year and etc. We would normally have done this over a beer, but it uh, it's really good just to to find out what's happening with TSG uh, in these troubled times. Really, no, I, I totally agree, and I look forward to. To, to take me up on that offer of the beer it'd be good to get back out to some kind of normality and just wanted to thank you for inviting me to uh, to join this podcast well keith steve thank you so much for that discussion uh, i'm i'm hopeful that we can make that beer happen at a petro forum event sooner rather than later but yes thanks you once again for that discussion plenty in there for our listeners to think about i think before you go I've got a couple quickfire questions for you both uh, that we ask all of our guests on this show. The first one is, what's the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Keith, maybe we could start with you. The best piece of advice I ever received was from my, my dad. And he said to me, um, always make your own mind up about people. Regardless of what people say about other people, uh, until you make your own mind up about them, uh, you, you should always do that. I like that one. I wish I had that one. Um, it goes back a, a bit. When I first got into management, I had a, an extremely good mentor in an MD that I worked for, and, and his advice to me was, never be afraid to fail. If you never fail, you're not trying hard enough. And um, and I think that, that has worked well right the way through my career, and I, I try to pass that on whenever I can. I totally agree with that. And, and to add to that, I would say that if you don't fail, you can't really learn. Totally agree. you learn from your mistakes, don't you? So, um, 
So yeah, thanks for that. And and lastly, I'm asking everyone for a book recommendation, please. Keith, what are you reading at the moment? Oh, I, a, a book called, um, I've, I've finished it now, but uh, it, I, I found it quite inspiring. It's a, a book called Humans by, uh, I think it's Mark Haig or Martin Haig. I can't remember now, but um, it's, uh, it's a very good book, Human. Mm. Thank you. And uh, Steve, how about yourself? Well, I've, I've gone back a few years now. I've, I've picked up um, James Hunt's autobiography, and it's, it's taken me right back to the 70s or middle to late 70s. He won, he won, he was world champion in 76. Um, and it was really when I, I got right involved with uh, Formula One and high octane and, and everything else. So it's been a, a brilliant read and, 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 and nostalgic trip back down memory lane so i would recommend <laughs> that to anyone amazing and you'll be watching the russian grand prix this weekend then oh, as well yes indeed yeah. <laughs> brilliant well thanks again to both of you guys i really appreciate it and have yourself a lovely weekend thank, thank you, you. and you thank you cheers thank you for tuning in to open room talks we hope that you've enjoyed the episode for inquiries, please feel free to get in touch via email on hello at openroomevents.com. For details on future episodes, please follow us on LinkedIn or visit openroomevents.com. Until next time.